When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Talking City podcast for the Manchester News. I'm joined today by a very happy Ian Cheeseman. Absolutely, hi yeah. I'm joined again by Simon Bykowski. Hello. Nice to have you here. Do you not know if I'm happy or sad, is that? I've not really gauged the mood for me right, yet, so okay, I'm going yeah. to, maybe midway through the podcast, I'll be able to Give really evaluate. It, yeah. Yeah. After what happened on Sunday, I feel like I definitely know what uh, yes. cheese is. And it's ironic because yeah. our other podcast is called the Manchester's Red Podcast, but certainly isn't, isn't is today it? on no. Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> you were both at the game at the Etihad on Sunday and Ian, it was just another day at the office for City really, wasn't it? You know what? That was uh, the 75th match of that type that I've attended derbies and... Um, I've never felt more relaxed from beginning to end all the way through the game. City were in complete control. They started off as they meant to go along, dominating sides just like they have been doing, whether it be one of the weaker teams when it's a mid-table team like United or when it's when it's one of the top teams. It's an early dig in, isn't it? Yeah, early dig, get that right. one in. Uh, stroking the ball around, uh, completely controlling. I mean, that goal, obviously, that Gundogan scored at the end um, isn't, a, is a bit, isn't a big surprise from City because they do that sort of thing all the time and they set the stall out quite early and I just I thought well you know in years gone by I've sort of had a bit of a knot in my stomach at Derby Day not slept well maybe the night before I've been been you know really nervous and wary of them because it's the big Manchester rivalry and that's how you're supposed to feel if you're a, if you're a blue or a red and uh, I didn't feel that way and as the game went along I spoke to, to fans at half time who said to me oh, I don't think City played that well and actually I'm a bit worried now that only one up United will bounce back and and they'll, you know, they'll come back into it like they did last year. And I, and I just sort of looked at them and I thought, what are you on about? Are you not watching the game? That doubt's sort of gone from City, hasn't it? Yeah. Because you you, there always be that pessimism in the back of your head. Well, it's, it's what, clearly still there it? from yeah. a certain generation. That, were you, that, were that you not nervous after the penalty, though? No, not no, at all. Not at Never all. Never at any point was I nervous. I just I just watched the game completely. I just thought, well, if City will get, need to get another, they'll go and get one. I, I've ne- honestly never been as relaxed in a derby. Uh, never at any point. Did I think United to get back into it? It was a joy to watch. So you said that was your seventy fifth derby you've been to. Do you think that was the most comfortable? Yeah, win in, yeah, without doubt. Derby history, even more emphatic, really, than the six one. I mean, the six one at, at Old Trafford escalated towards the end, didn't it? As yeah, well, that one. they collapsed and chased the game and left big wide open spaces and everything. United were the same all the way through in this one. They were just not a threat to City, um, which astounded me. I mean, you can make a bigger argument to say that you know the mood of current day players where there have been so many players that are not Mancunians in fact not that many players that are English anymore as there were you know when I was started watching derbies back in the 70s that the whole mood has gone even the crowd has changed hasn't it not as much at City though it is changing you know I mean I bumped into a group who come over from Mumbai to watch the game for example um, you know so there is a growing number of, of people from all around the world coming to watch the games and it's only really and this is not a dig at those people but it's only really the 
Mancunian City fans who've lived in and around the city all their lives that think of the derby in the way that it used to be thought of. It's now a global thing. So you look at Real Madrid against Barcelona and it's El Clasico and, and everybody sits and watches that on the television and everybody either supports Barcelona or Real Madrid, even if it's your second or your third team. And maybe it's getting a little bit that way now around some of the fans around the derby as well. But for the hardcore Manchester City fans who've been through thick and thin and for the same equivalent of the United fans, it is the Manchester derby and it and it means so much. But because it's been watered down slightly, there isn't yeah. the same crunching tackles because the games change as well. The match feels different. And on that basis, City were just so superior that I was, I was just sitting there thinking, enjoying this game just like any other game. Aside from your comments, maybe before, did you ever feel that City might be in danger of, of slipping up, similar maybe to they did in April? I mean, we saw last week as well that United came from behind against Bournemouth, came from behind against Juventus in two games where they were lucky to win. Uh, you wouldn't have put it past them, really, knowing what Mourinho's like. Um, yeah. It, um, Guardiola wasn't very happy with the first half. Um, after that first opening 15 minutes and the players themselves spoke about the uh, that April derby um, at half time so there was clearly like a need from the players to reinforce that they they needed to go forward um, I don't know there were kind of shades of Claudio Bravo's first Manchester derby in Edison in the second half I thought he rashed for that penalty and then it, there was one that he just caught with his uh, his fingertips and you sort of thought, ah, oh, City going to throw this away. I mean, I, I don't think City played that well. I thought United played pretty well. I think that shows just how big the gap is between the teams, to be honest, because City could have played far better. Um, I think I actually predicted a 3-1 uh, victory on, on this podcast. Have we got that clipped? We'll have to drive <laughs> into the archives. After um, but, you, you know, um, off air, um, before the game, I was predicting a, a bit of a bigger win. And if City had played as, as well as they can do or more to their potential than they could, I think they would have absolutely destroyed United. It, it was just... It was a really strange feeling because you're used to derbies where, you know, if one team plays well, they'll have a good chance of winning. Whereas United played pretty well and were just so far below the level of City. It's, um, yeah, I mean, 12 points is the gap and you would expect that to, to grow as the season goes on, I think. Yeah, I think more alarmingly as well is Southampton had six shots on target against City. United only had one. but uh, and that, that, was, was a that was the penalty, yeah. yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you look at it, but from your point of view, Ian, as a fan, do you think, I know you don't want to be too greedy as a fan, but do you think City fans might be thinking, we really should have scored more and really embarrassed United? Maybe it was a missed opportunity to expose just how big the golfing class has been. We saw the reaction when Raheem Sterling did a couple of step-overs at the end of the game. Uh, there was a lot of anger from the United players and, and the club and maybe certain of the fans if City had have actually gone to town during that game and won by a six again another margin like that um you know, that would have really upset United a lot more. Now, from a pure City perspective, you think, so what? But you then think, well, what about next time they play, you know, at Old Trafford later in the year? And already Pep suggested, and this was in the pre-match, that the next derby after this one might be actually bigger because it's obviously getting to the sharp end of the season. Uh, it's an away game. So it might be that that one is got a little bit more hanging on it because in theory, if City hadn't won that game, it wouldn't have been the end of the 
the world, they'd have been a point behind Liverpool, okay, and they don't want to lose it, but it wouldn't have been the end of the world. Whereas if you lose the one in, I don't know when it is, March, March. April, something like that, yeah, then, then you're getting to the point where it's harder to recover if you lose the game. So I get that. Uh, the, 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 there's a bit of me that loved Raheem Sterling doing the step-overs <laughs> and, and the 44-pass goal and everything, and, and the way that's been highlighted as a blue, you know, great, have it back. You know, how many years have I, I say, watched like, derbies when City's noses have been rubbed in it? Taste you know? their own medicine, isn't it, really? I mean, yeah. at, at those 75 matches that I talked about, that was City's 20th win in those 75. So there's still overwhelming statistics, certainly in my experience, of United having the better of the derbies. I think 38 victories I've seen from United in that sequence. Um, so rubbing the noses in it a bit, especially after that sign at the old the, the Stretford end for so many years how many years it had been since I saw won someone on Twitter league. mock that to yeah with the 44 pass yeah, yeah brilliant <laughs> absolutely brilliant but there's another bit of you that he thinks you don't want to you don't want to poke the lion you know just just you know gently caress yeah. him and say ha ha the, I've got a bit of meat you haven't but don't rub his nose in it because yeah. then he comes after you doesn't he um, and that that's feels as if what's a little bit happening actually in Manchester at the moment City have been so dominant and you can see in the media the way that the, the certain sections coming after City you know obviously the FFP has been much discussed and and the Spiegel revelations an and all the rest of it they're at the moment aren't they yeah, because they have become the, you do the get the feeling team. that everybody's waiting for something to go wrong so they can come and what's it told you and dive in um, so maybe it's about having a bit of dignity at the moment and um, winning with style and n- yeah. just yeah, not fueling their sort of flames against you Correct. really. And so I guess that's sort of personified in that Raheem Sterling instant at the end of the game. I guess you did the piece on that as well, just Mourinho's comments in general. It was I, I think the biggest satisfaction for City, uh not you know what happened on the pitch, and the biggest satisfaction for City will be that Jose Mourinho remains in charge at Old Trafford because I used to really rate him as a manager and, you know, I thought his work at Porto, Chelsea, Inter, Inter and Real Madrid, you know, stopping that Guardiola-Barcelona team was phenomenal and I think there is absolutely zero chance of Mourinho stopping this City team and for him to come out afterwards and say... City had two friendly games in the build-up to this. Well, yeah, City beat Southampton 6-0. When Southampton played United last, they drew 0-0. So that's not really a friendly game. It's only a friendly game if you make you it, make it like so. Yeah, you know, Shakhtar, very good team. And I think Paolo Fonseca was a bit sort of stunned to lose 6-0. But that's just how good this team are. For, him, for Mourinho to say City would have been in trouble if Fellaini had come on in the 75th minute. Big, big trouble. Well, we had 90 minutes of Fellaini and he didn't do anything. And as soon as I saw the team sheets, and I had to ask people who know a bit more about United than I do, you know, just who was playing in that midfield three. Because City have got Fernandinho and the Silvers and it's well established. United, to have... um, Herrera, Herrera Matic and Fellaini. That is such a mismatch. And you don't need hindsight to, to acknowledge that, do you? you just no, straight away. it's not a football three. It's just like three giant trees that you're just going to yeah. stick in the middle. It's mid- like PE basketball class, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. Three tall people in the middle and just hope they're, they're good. Yeah, and you know, if you think that is the way to stop this City team and Pep Guardiola, then either you're living in the past or you've just got it completely wrong. So... I think, you know, as good as the Derby win was, um, I think of more satisfaction is that Mourinho just 
keeps on messing things up. His team selections are bizarre, which you're quite rightly highlighting. And I've got to say that the only time I turned to the guy next to me during that derby and had any concerns, mm. and they were only minor concerns, but any concerns, and they proved to be fr- obviously fruitless, was when Mata came on. That was the only time I turned and said, oh, now this is the one player that yeah. could damage City. Now, it didn't turn out that he did. Um, but he, I, I just don't get how he's not the first name on the team sheet, perhaps apart from Dea, in every single United team. But I'm a bothered. No. No, no. Well, it, you know, it, it just shows, and I think... The, a lot of combined 11s before before the game and you just couldn't couldn't take any city players out because you as a as a neutral or as a fan you would want to see a team set up the way one of those teams on Sunday played and you absolutely would not want to see the other way yeah I guess part of that midfield battle, there was a, a lot of social media hype around Fernandinho's role on Sunday. For me, he was man of the match, I'd say, quite comfortably the way he dictated midfield. But lots of United fans were furious he wasn't sent off. I saw lots of people saying there should be an FA appeal for the amount of clumsy sort of challenges he did and the Tottenham procedure. And that and just sounds like sour grapes really from United. Even if Fernandinho wasn't on the pitch, they would have still won that game. And this is with Anthony Taylor, who everybody was saying was going to be red biased referee in the game. So uh, Pep didn't say that. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> but we, we can talk about it. But uh, Fernandinho was my player of the year last year. I thought he was exceptional throughout. He was Mr. Consistency and he threads it all together. And I remember um, asking Pep it when I've had the chance to, to interview him or talk to him about the crucial role at Fernandinho. Fernandinho plays and his eyes sort of lit up like they do sometimes when you hit something that you know he agrees with and I see him valuing Fernandinho in the way that you know not everybody does but certainly I was not, it was nice to see him being highlighted on Match of the Day with some brilliant analysis by Alan Shearer at the weekend and um, personally if I had to pick a man of the match despite all that despite my, my general affection for Fernandinho I think he's brilliant uh, Bernardo Silva to me is has had an amazing season this season so far. I know it's only 12 games in in the league um, and, you know, you can't judge a player for, for, you know, for 12 games over a season, but he has been utterly amazing in my opinion and some of the things he did during that game some of the tight situations he was in some of the headers that he won when he was even winning the ball back I was really impressed with that sort of tenacity he said against that sort of physical midfield United went for and yet they were always second best to Bernardo in every single game. and he's so small isn't he you know and I mean obviously you know David Silva's brilliant too so we can wax lyrical about him Sterling is getting better all the time Aguero leads the line brilliantly what a goal he scored that's the thing throughout the team there is there are, and you know, I, I remember somebody saying to me years ago, you know, the way you can tell that the Beatles were a great pop group is because if you ask five different people which is the favourite Beatles song, they go for five different ones. Well, that's where City are at the moment. Who's the best player at the moment? Who is the man of the match? One goes absolutely passionately for one. So you've gone for Fernandinho. I go for Bernardo Silva. I talk to fans after the game. One of them, David, oh, it can't be anybody but David Silva. You know, and they all give you, uh, Laporte got a lot of, yeah, lot of love did. as well. Yeah. Raheem as well. You know, so isn't that the mark of a great team? That, that it could be any of them actually. Yeah. And I guess that's what City's strength is over all their rivals really this season is that, that strength and depth. And I guess the fact they've done all this 12 games, they're still top of the league, they're still unbeaten. They're only two points off what they had last season and they've not 
started Kevin De Bruyne. Match for match, you know, as well. Um, they're actually better than they were last season because they lost at home to United last season. This season they've won. Last season they lost at Liverpool. This season they drew. Um, so the only other game, uh, they, they drew at home to Huddersfield last season. They beat them uh, this season. So a match for match, yeah. they're actually, if you comp- and I love that, that way of looking at it. If you look at match for match, yeah, the they're actually ahead on last season. Amazingly. Fernandinho's still key though. Yeah. Well, we'll he, yeah. He's, he's, still, he's still the one and he still should have been booked after about, I don't know, was it 15, 20 minutes? Like it was yeah. late. It was United were on the counter. I don't think he should have been sent off because you just can't say it. You can't go into the whole what world he, of yeah. counterfactuals and he definitely would have the played Marino that world. challenge if he'd been on a yellow. So he, I didn't see another foul that he committed that deserved a red no and getting a you know getting one yellow isn't Especially the same in a as derby. getting a second yellow yeah. um so I, I thought anthony taylor got that one wrong but all this crying about tactical fouling is still a bit silly doesn't stop uh, doesn't stop the fact you know have one shot on target as we said does it yeah and you know you've spoken about people being out to get a city it's like every time they commit a oh, tactical foul tactical foul it's like every great team has a player like that they always just yeah, but, yeah but also sometimes he might just be a bit slow yeah they might be a not every foul has to be a tactical one foul because I'm not as fast as you yeah. foul like th- things happen but it's been highlighted by a few people and now it's like tactical foul tactical foul every time and of course and, uh, in the glory days of United Roy Keane never used to do that did he well, no, he just broke legs. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, Which you know. is allowed because that's in the sportsmanship <laughs> yeah. of the game. It wasn't tactical, yeah. it was just premeditated. It wasn't and compromising the sportsmanship attitude of football, like it, tactical fouls. How can you premeditate that sort of thing? Yeah, but yeah just, I mean, Guardiola didn't help himself by saying, I've never, never asked my players to do that. Um, because you only have to have watched his sort of... Well, yeah, I mean, we, we sat down with one of his assistants in summer who is now head at New York... City FC Dominic Torrent and he um, you know went through the process of the whole system and it was fascinating stuff but in it he did say you know if you try and get the ball back as soon as possible and sometimes that involves fouling just yeah as long as your opponents don't have the ball yeah to- yeah but by fouling them you know you do give them the ball and yeah, but then you get City the aren't great at set pieces defending set pieces and they're not very tall so maybe but I thought that was one of the big differences between City United as well like Sterling had win a free kick 35 yards out and he just put his foot on it and pass it again and they just move on you know it was almost like a free kick was like just an excuse to get the ball moving again whereas whenever United got it it was like right we can lump this into the box and everyone forward yeah lock down the hatches get yeah in the box and it, it it was just it was such a, a clash of styles yeah, I guess that is part of the reason. I guess we touched on it there, the fact that City, Chelsea and Liverpool are all unbeaten this season from, from what you've seen so far. Are City still the favourites for the title this season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, they're, they're doing better, as I say, than last season. They've scored more goals. Um, you, you can't really bet against them. And I'm trying to not just be a City fan or a City-biased person by saying that. If you were looking at it objectively, how would you bet against them? Liverpool have made a remarkable start to the season. Season. statistically certainly I mean isn't it the best since the 70s uh, you know they're, they're just doing awesomely well uh, can they keep this up well, well time will tell and if they can then clearly it's going to be a two horse race I don't see Chelsea 
quite keeping up this momentum and obviously the draw against Everton at the weekend was maybe a slight indication of that because you can't afford to make those slip-ups at the standard that everybody's hitting at the moment um, if City do the same then then clearly I'm wrong uh, and, and maybe they will somewhere along the line and it, it's hard to imagine that three teams are going to keep going at this phenomenally well but there's also an argument to say that the teams in the bottom section of the of the table now are weaker than they have been f- for a while. You know, some some might say, well, oh, that's denigrating what City are doing or, or any of these other teams are doing, but it does feel as if now there's a little bit of a drop-off in standards and right at the bottom end of the Premier League uh, because the, the games are becoming relatively easy, not just for City, but, but for other, other teams like Chelsea. Tottenham are doing very well. Arsenal generally, obviously Wolves, you know, were there sort of Achilles heel at the weekend, but we've seen that Wolves can be a good side and, and, and arguably Wolves should have won that game at Arsenal with the chances that they created. But overall, I have detected a slight, or at least I feel there's been a slight drop-off in quality at the wrong end of the table. Yeah, which is a problem for City's title rivals because City have gone to Anfield, picked up a point, gone to Wembley and beaten Spurs. They've gone to... Uh, Arsenal. Arsenal have beaten Arsenal Chelsea away on December the 8th um, and the top of the table Liverpool best ever start the Premier League they're not top Chelsea best ever start they're not top Tottenham best ever start they're not top Arsenal won like seven in a row did they yeah they're not top 12 in a row was it in all competitions I think Arsenal yeah maybe something like that um, but yeah. some of that's Europa League but I mean I think I said at the start of the season if City are top by Christmas then everyone else should be worried and that date of uh, December the 10th or whatever it was last season when City beat United in the derby was seen as a big moment City played Liverpool at home on January the 3rd and if City beat Liverpool on January the 3rd then you've got to say is there any way coming back because if none of these bottom teams are doing City's rivals a favour then City's rivals need to beat City in order to stand any chance of winning the league. I think after the World Cup, we kind of thought that there would be a drop-off and you can't do 100 points again and all this. They might not do 100 points, but this City team is better than last season's team. So as as much improvement as has been from Liverpool and and Chelsea and people like that, it, it's it's an incredibly hard task they face. And all this without Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, so yeah. much for the whole season so far. I mean, um, when he came back in and briefly returned, he didn't look quite as sharp as he as he's done before, which is understandable. And it might be that when he does return, I mean, I believe he's targeting Bournemouth or Watford now as a potential return, um, just ahead of the Chelsea game. Um, will he be right at his best by the time City play Chelsea? Probably not. Do they really need him at the moment? Some will say yes, some will say that he's City's best player, but they've proved they don't actually need him. And arguably, you mentioned Fernandinho, and certainly Edison with Murich, we don't know what he's capable of, but Murich is a young, inexperienced understudy, and no obvious replacement 
like for like for Fernandinho, the, uh, possibly Aguero. Those are the three key players. That sort of spine if they were well, absent, uh, you know, might might be cause a bit more of a problem. But with the two silvers and Sterling and Sane and, and you know, the play, the attacking creative players that they've got that are all interchangeable, you can actually live with Kevin De Bruyne. They've shown that. Um, so, but still want him back. Yeah, especially the the impact he had at Stamford Bridge last season. Kevin De Bruyne he was the difference the goal, maker. Didn't he? Scored yeah. maybe probably that pivotal goal early in the season. Proved that City really were meaning business. Yeah. It wasn't just easy on the eye. It wasn't just a sort of fluky run of results. That was I remember that sort of being the defining one for me. Really it was proved that yeah. this City team means business. And like, like I said, Fernandinho probably is that one outfield player who doesn't have a like for like replacement. Sort of proves just how hard it will be. Um, but yeah, that festive period is going to be really interesting for City. It's going to be exciting for you. I'm sure you Seven do. games in December. That, Very that's, busy. That's Premier, just Premier League. But there's also going to be a quarter-final of the, uh, the League Cup in there. So eight games in, in December. And a Champions League game. Half an hour. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Nine, call it nine then. Lots of air miles for you as well there. Well, Offenheim's at home in that period, so there's no air miles in that one. <laughs> you, might, you might want to fly to it. No, I think I'll, uh, I'll just, just uh, pop do down the road. Do a Britain, that'd be quite nice. <laughs> I used to do them when I was doing blogs for the BBC, go the long way around just to make it more interesting, but I think we'll leave that what's, one for now. No, I think we've got to, what's, what's the longest one you've done? Longest round trip, uh, that we, maybe unnecessary trip? I remember going with Chris Bailey, of course, was a one-time Manchester Evening News reporter, and um, we went to a uh, game in, uh, it wasn't in Copenhagen although City did play in Copenhagen it was either Alborg or Aarhus or somewhere yeah. like that that we went to and we went the long way around we flew into Copenhagen got the train over the longest bridge in Europe went to Cyprus via um, by by the Czech Republic and, and obviously the Faroe Islands when I spent a week there so there's been a there's been a few of these long-winded ones that have created great stories around them which are great fun you know but um, you know it's nice to be able to just go somewhere directly when I come back from Leon I don't you you went, didn't oh no, you didn't go to um, Kharkiv did you? it was Stuart that went via Istanbul and yeah, seven yeah. hours overnight and everything yeah. like that so where are you going how are you getting to Leon I'm flying direct from Manchester to Leon. Oh, yeah. But back via Brussels. Right, okay. Get a chocolate for Christmas, you know. Still. That sounds nice. What? Uh, we can do this off air. No, I think right. this is... A- <laughs> <laughs> well, what it, you it's do? very, very dull. I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm not sure the listeners are enjoying it, but as long as no, those three are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it's fine. We'll, uh, we'll... We'll sort that out off air. Yes. Maybe in a bonus podcast, we could just... Maybe we should just do a the bonus podcast. The travels to you. The travel. Yeah, yeah. The travel diary. Yeah. Who knows? That could work. We shall see. I was going to ask a question then about, <laughs> about Riyad Mahrez playing in the derby. It seems we've sort of lost the momentum to do that, but what did you make of Pep's... I mean... You can't really talk about team selection now because it's so easy to win, but the the attacking line that Mar has been picked in them a big game as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's a strange one really because he's undoubtedly got loads of quality, Mares. Um, you know, his his touch, his control, and he and he reads the game. However, I still see him doing the predictable and cutting inside. I suppose Pep is picking him because he retains possession better than maybe Sane would if it was the other if it was Sterling on the right Sane and the left, which is the other alternative. And I can't help thinking that he thinks Mares is more likely to keep the ball, keep the pass passes moving. However, he does always 
to me, slightly slow down the tempo. But it worked. Uh, who am I to question Pep Guardiola? Blimey, you know, he, he's top of the league with the, the best City team that's ever existed. They just set all those records last year and they're playing better this season than last. So who am I to question it? But you are asking me my opinion. Mares at the moment, it just takes something slightly away. But, you know, Pep's analysis will say, you're talking drivel cheese. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, and I'll go, Pep, you know what? You're right. I guess in those big games, it sort of helps because it means if Morris is on the on the right, you've got Walker overlapping on the on the outside, and also Sterling, I think, really helps Mendy with his sort of defensive work rate. All very valid points, those Rich, yeah. and, and and probably that means you're nearer to Pep Guardiola than I am. I'll take that. <laughs> well, um, David Silva was injured at the start of the season, so David Silva was not in the team when they played Arsenal on the mm. opening day. If you put him in that team instead of Gundogan, I think, yeah. then that's the same 11 that played at Liverpool, at Tottenham, and now against United. So Pep's plan for big games is pretty clear to say. As much as it's like a squad game, he wants those 11 players on the pitch yeah. from the start. At Stamford Bridge in a few weeks' time, I would expect those 11 players to start the game. And does KDB come into that? Ask you, how will- who drops out for you? Is it Bernardo drops out of that team for the big you games? Can't drop Bernardo. I think maybe or Mares well, and put Bernardo on the wing. You could do that, or you could take one of the one of the silvers out. But I, I'm not sure De Bruyne's going to be fully firing for for Chelsea anyway. The, no. I mean, he he is positive about his injury and. Like Ian said, he is aiming for sort of the start of December. But if you think he was out for two months the start of the season and it took him about three or four games before he was up to speed properly he was only just about up to speed when he got injured so I I can't see him being that fit for Chelsea so I don't think it will be worth as, the risk uh, really especially when you said they've got that congested fixture schedule coming up it's not worth yeah, throwing him in really yeah yeah and you know it's a it's a nice selection headache to have but uh, yeah, I don't think it will be needed quite as soon for the Chelsea game. Yeah, one sort of final point I was looking towards today was we've not really mentioned him properly. Merrick Laporte, uh, fantastic for City this season. Perhaps one of the contenders for player of the season so far already, but no place in the France squad for him again. Their loss really in City's game, two weeks off of him being fit, but definitely deserves the international call-up, surely. Is, am I right? You know, and I know you'll know this, Simon. Is, is he, can he play for either one of two different countries and that decision's still not been made? He can play for Spain, yeah. Um, it's until you make your first senior competitive appearance, isn't it? I think you've got to commit. Yeah. So is that yeah. why maybe he's... No, no, he, he said he's, he's very willing to play for... Still committed to playing for France and he said the World Cup win like really hurt him. Because we spoke to him a few weeks after they'd won the World Cup. Said, oh, how, how does it feel as a Frenchman? And he said, I was jealous. You know, wasn't happy. He was jealous because he wanted to be there. He wanted to to have that experience, which he might never have again as a as a player. Um, which is is quite sad. But he, you know, he still remains committed to 
to France if they pick him, but they're not at the minute. Well, any nation would want him in the side at the, the moment. He's playing unbelievable football. He's, he's, he seems a bit like David Silver. He's quite an understated human being, or at least that's the vibe I get. Uh, just gets on with his job and does it really well. And he's he's got better and better and better as he's gone along. And he's to me, is the key defender at the moment. You know, you've got your two attacking fullbacks. Um, Stones is becoming his regular partner. Um, and the two seem to work very well together. And Stones, I have to say, is also getting a little bit better, more consistent now in his his ball retention. And he certainly in the derby, he was win- winning a lot of stuff in the air, a lot of very brave blocks that he put in as well. So I'm very impressed with him. But Laporte, um, at the moment, is the key defender to me. Um, not just his, his defensive ability, but he seems to organise things at the back. And his distribution is pretty decent as well. Yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of talk this this season from certain parts of the country about Virgil van Dijk being the best defender in in the league, in Europe, in the universe and beyond. Of all time as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Laporte's got to be at least up there with him and he didn't give a penalty away when the teams met um, I, I guess it depends what you look for in your, in your team Liverpool need sort of a rock don't they at the back someone who just heads everything away whereas yeah. Laporte's sort of style I think suits City more I think if City had the choice I think Laporte's a better fit to City than Van Dijk would be it does but I think you know I think people disregard some of Laporte's best qualities I think he's seen as like this ball playing defender that can he's launch physical, a 40 year old crossfield but he absolutely loves roughing it with strikers remember having a spat with uh, Jamie Vardy in one of his first games for, for the club and he really loves the physical he's a defender that loves defending and I think you know in the perceptions of Pep's pretty footballers that sometimes goes unnoticed but he's really well suited to the Premier League Um, and at the start his partnership with Stones did not look great last season they looked like they they were trying to do the same thing and then they were getting caught out Mm -hmm. because you kind of need a pair but the top top marks from this season they've been working really well and I I know the, uh, the clean sheet run is over for City but They've still not, it's still Newcastle, which was what, September, mid-September? Last time they conceded from open play was then, because they've only let in two penalties since then. So Ian, I guess finally today we'll discuss who who for you has been City's best player of the season. I know you said Bernardo earlier on. Yeah, sticking with that. I think he's had a fabulous uh, season, even back to pre-season. He seemed to hit the ground running. Um, it, what impresses me about him is not just his creative side, because I love creative players and they're the, the players that probably stand out for me always and always will be my heroes, if you like. I do admire all of the negative stuff that has to be done, the dirty the side of the gritty, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, Fernando Dino, the way he nicks the ball and gets possession back. I think the, uh, the the goal, I think it was Aguero's goal in the derby. Well, not everybody would have necessarily noticed, but he nicked the ball and got it forward. And he did that a lot and he does that a lot. And that's the other side of his game and he's creative too. And David Silva, wonderful player, you know, finding pockets, movement. You almost take those sort play. of players for granted, don't you? Because yeah. you see them week in, week out and their standards are so high. But Bernardo has just added something. When I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, if it, I count how many times I go, wow, 
you know, and I've been doing that a lot with with Bernardo and recently. And it's how been many like, times have you done it recently? I haven't counted it, but I have oh, done it a lot right. of times. Yeah, doesn't he? And and uh, and I just thought he's surrounded like by four players here. They're all bigger than him, and and he's actually just about to lose possession. And yet at the end of it all, he emerges with the ball, and you think, how did he do that? Um, and that, that's one of those wow moments, Simon. You know that? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm well aware yeah. of them. I just <laughs> I wanted to know if you had like a tally going or. No. Oh, no, no, I don't have a tally, but um, maybe I should start one. But he, he's just been, just been awesome. Love his attitude. Love the way he's 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 been, as I say, combining both sides of the game. So to me, so far, he's the man. Side, so you echo that belief of Ian? Almost, almost. almost. I I do, and I um, I think it's. It- it's a really good way of describing him because I think De Bruyne last season was that player. He had moments where he just thought that is ridiculous. That should not be legal on a football pitch. It's that good. Um, And Bernardo has been that this season. And although certain podcast hosts uh, may have previously said that um, City wouldn't have missed Bernardo had he not been... Fraudulent. Yeah. I I can't remember who said it now off the top of my head, but they might have been sat very close to me um, I think Bernardo has been the reason City haven't missed De Bruyne this season because he's played in that position he's not done quite the same role but he's just been brilliant and he has exceeded expectations more than uh, more than most the only reason I hesitate is because drum roll can you put one in Ash please um, I because I because I, uh, I love Bernardo so much and um, I thought from summer he was going to be really good so I put him in my fantasy, fantasy football you team everyone I think in one of the first podcasts as well yeah so. and um, you know he's good but I don't think he's I mean, are we going to get to the punchline of this? <laughs> come on, come on. Who is it going to be, Simon? That's a fantasy football team that has Matthew Darmian on the bench. <laughs> as, so, as someone who sat through 75 derbies, Ian, good things are worth waiting for. That's true. That's um, true. Bernardo's I quality... I going to be good, though. Hope, He's building it up even more now, isn't Bernardo's he? Bernardo's quality is, is I hope not... we never get to the point. ...not reflected. <laughs> Let's cut it off now. Right? We'll see you next week. <laughs> Part two, the international break. Slow, slow week. Um, Bernardo's silver's quality on the pitch is not reflected in the fancy football stakes because they'll dominate a game, but he won't necessarily give an assist or a goal. So you're going to give me a bitter answer now you're because he hasn't like, done so well in your fantasy football. You sound football. a bit like Mourinho of stats here now, yeah. isn't it? Well, no, Mourinho doesn't care about stats. So he says that stats Simon, aren't relevant. Whereas all the time, that's a stat, isn't it? Whereas <laughs> I, I would say that uh, Raheem Sterling, regular readers, viewers, maybe listeners, <laughs> maybe shocked to hear that uh, he has a camera up there. Is there? Yeah. Is that, oh, I've put my clothes back on. Then. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Sterling's goal and assist record this season is phenomenal. He, as much as Bernardo has exceeded expectations in performance levels, Sterling's uh, record, I think, is ridiculously good. It's that of a world-class player. And I don't think necessarily anyone was expecting that. So for different reasons. No, I've, Bernardo yeah. and Sterling and he's been rewarded with his contract which I think is a big relief for everyone I'm sure the yeah. City fan and you must be delighted to see absolutely Raheem. I mean he's come on so so much in the last uh, 12 months uh, he's the player now when he's in possession in front of goal you think anything could happen here you know he, he, he'll create something so absolutely I, I'm not really disagreeing with Simon it's a bit like that Beatles analogy that I had a little earlier on you just got so many I, good players I don't think he sticks out though does he 
No, in, in he some scored ways, a lot of no. goals and assists without really sort of yeah. sticking out in a way that Bernardo has. People are still staggered when they see just how many goals. I mean, last season it was 40 goals directly in the Premier League he was involved in Raheem Sterling. That's He's ridiculous. added football intelligence to his game. That's what's been different. He's always yeah. had that raw talent, but now he's added football intelligence, which arguably has come from Pep. But let's give him the credit, you know, that he's absorbed it, he's learned, and he now plays in a in a different way than he did before. Because we talked about Mares before, and, and I was little, not critical, but, you know, questioning the fact that sometimes he can be a little bit predictable. He checks in onto his left foot. And that you know what? Sterling did that a little bit at the beginning. On his right foot, he'd go down the touchline and you think, go on, take him on, move inside. You know, and, and that's what he's doing now. But at the time, he was sometimes playing the, the safer sideways ball. So maybe we'll see the same development in Mares over the next 12 months. But Sterling now absolutely gets it. He's a phenomenal player, no doubt about that. It's gone from, you know, being scared to shoot at goal to being quite quite happy to absolutely whack your left foot into the turf in yeah. an attempt at a goal. <laughs> yeah, that's one way of looking at it. Yeah, I think the answer is there is no exact answer to City's best player season and that's sort of the beauty of it all. It doesn't really matter. City, top of the league, unbeaten again. Who's your best player, Rich? Who's your standout Ooh. so far? My standout player? I'm, I never yeah. usually get asked these sort of questions. I'm not allowed to choose a Wrexham player. I'm guessing that's not the question we're going for. No. Um, <laughs> let's go for this. For me, I'd probably still Preferably say... Preferably a City player. I mean, See, not, I, not I, just not a Wrexham player, but... No, Luke Summerfield then. Big shout out to Luke Summerfield. But... um I, see I was going to be hipster and go for Raheem Sterling myself but I think if you look at the player who has the biggest impact for me I say it all the time I think it's Fernandinho still like I said he is still that player who to me I think he makes the biggest difference in everything City do I think everything goes for him he's the one player who I still have no idea how they're going to replace him mm-hmm. they don't really need to worry about that just yet he's that still, Jorginho looks good at Chelsea doesn't he looks good what ever happened to him <laughs> oh well I'll, sorry well I'll go for Hey Jude which is your favourite Beatles song um, Yellow submarine, isn't it? Difficult to say. It's like it's like Queen. There's different eras, isn't there? A day in the life is a. There you go. See, you beat. proved me point. It's difficult to pick your favourite city would, player although, or your favourite Beatle. Who's, who's your favourite Beatle? Because that's, that's a bit easier to pick. Paul McCartney Ringo. for me. All oh, right. Who's yours? You're going for John Lennon. Yeah, I'm going for John there Lennon. You go. yeah. Ringo. There although, you go. Although specifically, John Lennon Beatles, not his single career. Mine specifically, Ring, Ringo stars stuff. Thomas the Tank Engine narrations. <laughs> yeah. that's had the biggest impact on me as a person because I love Thomas the Tank But then he won't take any fan mail anymore, will he? No. But Shame. I'm not too bothered because I, I don't think he needs to. That's all I'm You don't about. write to him? No, I think his contributions are the out there. I think if, you can't be too greedy with Ringo About Star. Octopus's Garden, what's your view on that? Not even sure what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a Ringo song. Is it? Very good, yeah. Is it? Surprisingly good for Ringo. Is it? Yeah. Have, to give that. have you seen Bohemian Rhapsody? No, I'm going to see it tonight, apparently. Yeah. Well, it's out tonight or tomorrow. Obviously, I'm going to use the two for one mm, voucher. That's Depends an interesting one. Who's your favourite Queen member? <laughs> see, I'm not really a big fan of Queen. Right. Not that I'm not a fan of them. I enjoy their music. But yeah. in terms of Queen, do I digest them openly? Do I say, I want to listen to Queen today? I wouldn't really say that. Right. But um, I'm, I'm fond of them. I think they're incredible musical talents everyone remembers even people my age who weren't born everyone knows the sort of live aid sort of mm-hmm. performances and all yeah. that all that jazz Ian favourite Queen member it's got to be Freddie Mercury hasn't mm. it yeah. he is just the fate like when you think of Queen you do think of Freddie Mercury don't you I guess mm. who knows I'm like digested like that um, who's your favourite member of the pep team the pep backroom team backroom staff 
That's a tough question. I'm going to go for Pep. Pep, right? Yeah. Okay. Mick Arteta for me. Arteta's a good one. Yeah. He just gives us lots of lines to write about as well, doesn't he, Mikel? So thank you for the, for your contribution to the MEN. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe the next podcast will think up more sort of who's the best. Yeah. And if you've got any who's the best that you want answering from Ian Cheeseman and Sai and myself, yeah. please do tweet us and we will give you, we'll answer anything these days. We've got <laughs> international break, time to fill. Doesn't have to be football, doesn't have to be anything. Just if you've got any questions, if you've got any, if you, agony aunt, if you've got any questions you want, you want Ian to answer. <laughs> See, this is where City are at the moment. We're all giddy because... The football yeah. takes care of itself. Takes care of itself, yeah. But yeah. It's coming up to Christmas, so we can start doing, like, what's your best quality street and things like yeah, that. I would yeah. love some curveballs at my sleeve. Well. Christmas songs is going to be very good in December. <laughs> Correct. Just you wait. That's why you should subscribe to us on Acast or any <laughs> iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts. What's your favourite form of... We'll be back next. We'll, we'll be back next week. Simon, thank you very much. You're getting too excited. Ian. You need to go for your lunch. Ian, pleasure as always. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. We'll be back again. <laughs>